Welcome to Kingdom Light Church. We believe this message by Sean Basson will find entrance in your heart and impact in your life in a supernatural way. For more information, please visit our website, Instagram account, and Facebook page. As we were just finishing off there, and um, Peter and then we were worshiping, I just saw this in my spirit suddenly, and I think we touched on it maybe a last week or two. We all know the story of Paul and Silas caught in the stocks or, or, kept, or held in the stocks, and at 12 o'clock they started to worship, and the chains started breaking off of them, and an earthquake happened. Um, I, I feel there's a few people here this morning. I'm just going to, by name, just look at you and say, there's, like you, you felt, you're feeling held. You feel like the stock's on there, and it's, it's not, maybe it's a word for everybody. As I'm saying that, I'm just seeing too many people to name names right now. But I feel in the Spirit, it's already speaking to one or two people. That I feel that your victory is in your praise in the next couple of weeks. Uh, your victory is in your praise. Your victory is in your praise. It's just, just declare. Uh, Mar- Mar- I had you first of all on mine, so I wanted to say that to you first of all. Your victory is in your praise. You're going to end this here on a, on a great high, but it's for, more, it's for more people. Moments for you. It's just your victory is in your praise. Your victory is in your praise. So you like, you've got to get that to then just keep on staying there in it, okay? It's not out of works, but it's in the very act of what you're doing that the rest will start to manifest in your business, in your family, in your things. I believe this here is not going to end the way it's at right now. I want to say that again. Some of you are just like, it's like, yo, but it's already pushing. It's November. December's around the corner. I don't know if it's going to be. It's not going to end the way it's supposed to end. I got a testimony. Some of you were here in the service um, when the, the guys from Argentina was here. And we prayed over Hardis and Elby, who's in Amsterdam for her father, who was going in for chemo and a lot of things within cancer. And they called me the day before yesterday. Um, and said that the results had come back, um, and what they didn't know was that actually the type of chemo and the type of stuff that they were giving her dad, um, they, the doctors said, it is literally our last shot, and usually the type of chemo is not used for that cancer. So they took a chance. Even with that, and everything included, is that 99.9% of the cancer is gone. So the doctors amazed at what had happened. Well, now, come on, we're going to give praise to God for that. Amen. It was so powerful. So powerful. 99% of the cancer gone. They got a little bit here and there, and they believe with some of the other medication. And he, the doctor said, this is a miracle. We really did not think that it was going to work. We just wanted to do this as a last shot. <laughs> There's a last shot coming your way. There's a last shot coming your way this year that's going to end this year on high. It's not going to look the way it's looking right now. Amen. Amen. Go on. Did some of you see that video with the, the lady with her arm who was totally disformed? By show of hands, who saw that video? One, two, few people. Um, it's on YouTube. It's a few other places, social media as well. Her arm is totally disformed, and it pulls it pulls straight out. And there's amazing a guy throws water on her arm and put. Now listen, I don't care if that to me it looks really real. If it's not real, I don't care. It stirs something in people's heart because from the very context of that, as a kid, I remember a man having no eyes getting eyes. I sat at Kurbis and stuff, and I saw dead people being raised. We saw the lame walk. We saw the blind see. So I believe in the very word of that. It's a time period like never before that God is saving people and doing wonderful things. 
Um, I know the church have got a lot to say about Kanye. I don't know if any of you know <laughs> that Kanye West is saved and everything around about him. I want to tell you today that that man is truly saved. I, I believe it because of what I see the fruit on the tree. He's doing things where people are getting saved by the thousands because of this man standing up. And people say, let's going to have a revival. But when God uses somebody you don't like, then, huh? Oh, Peter doesn't even know who Kanye is. It's okay, Peter. I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. Kanye Gloer. Kanye Gloer is gesaid. What I want to say to you today is that it's that thing. We pray for God for a revival, but then God will use somebody you don't like. And then you're like, oh, this is probably not the thing. No ways. God used a donkey. You can use anybody he likes. Is that we've got to get into what God is doing, not what I am doing. Amen? In the very, like what I preached on last week, when Jairus was standing there and a woman with, the, with an issue gets healed... And he's standing there seeing her healed. That very moment could have been like, hey, why is God healing her and he's not healing my daughter? We've got to get out of that mindset and get into the kingdom. Let's have other people blessed. And the blessing, again, isn't financial. Blessing isn't about finances. So we say, yo, pray for your enemies so they'll be blessed. What? Do you have money? No, that's not the context of what it is. Is that they might find Jesus. That's where the blessing is. So I pray over my enemies or others. Lord, may they see you. May they get to know you like never before. May they find peace in their life. May they find love in their life. May they have the fullness of what you've got. It's not about the thing about finances or there's unity, there's blessing. So if we understand that there's blessing, there's unity. What is the blessing? In Christ. I don't know why I was on on that right now. I, wasn't, I didn't say any of that in the first service, but I felt I wanted to say that now. Is that we've got to get into what God is doing. God's turning this world upside down. You know that in other areas where Christians can't get, people are seeing dreams. You know how many testimonies have come about people trying to meditate on Muhammad and seeing Jesus? And then they go to the, to the imams and saying, I saw this man and said, no, it wasn't Muhammad. That's Jesus. And people firstly being very upset because why would Jesus show up? I wasn't looking for Jesus, but Jesus was looking for you. I remember a testimony at, at Spirit Word. God's doing something right now because this wasn't what I was preaching. But I remember a testimony at Spirit Word of a lady who came out of Nigeria. I think she was a Dutch woman who was looking for more spirit. She was a witch and she wanted more spiritual, more demons to invade her. To, to manifest her. So she flew out to one of the very well-known areas in Nigeria, and she sat there waiting to be, to be more uh, consumed and manifested with demons. And then a door appeared to her. A door. What is Jesus? He's the door. So at first she didn't want to go through the door because she realized what's behind that door does not what she want because that door is going to chase out every other door. And so for the, every time she tried to meditate, in amongst all the witches and all the voodoo and everything else, Jesus showed up. See, he's not scared of that because they're scared of him. He beat them up last time. He pulled a can on them. You can fill the rest of the details. 
You see, he's not scared of demons. Is that we have had religion that has taught us over years to be really scared of devils. Be scared of this and be scared of that. Yes, there is an enemy. And I'm aware of him. But I'm more aware of the Father. I'm more aware of the Son. I'm more aware of the Spirit. And in that very moment, that's when the Spirit of God showed up in this woman's life. She got saved through the Spirit in amongst all the witches and the demons of hell. Come on! It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. We're moving back into a season where, where I believe that in the years to past, um, they even used teenagers to take Bibles into China. I was listening to Eric Johnson speak on how he was 14 years old, uh, smuggling Bibles. And, I'm just, and he said in the story, like, why did his parents allow that? <laughs> to smuggle Bibles at 14. Like, are you crazy? But he was smuggling Bibles. They would teach him how to wrap it and how you should walk in a certain way and, and carry a suitcase and don't look nervous. I'm carrying Bibles around me with a suitcase I can hardly pick up because it's filled with Bibles. There's not one bit of clothing in it. And then this little, he says, I'm this young boy, I can hardly pick it up. I'm hot because all these Bibles in plastic around my legs, around my body. And now I mustn't look nervous. So, <laughs> and how he listened to the Spirit. Because at one stage they were picking up the suitcases and they were walking through the, um, through the scanners and the, the security guard wasn't looking, so he wanted to run, like to run quickly to the car. And then the spirit said, no, put the bag on the, on the scanner. And he said, God, but that's a stupid idea. Like, they're not looking, I can run. God says, put the bag on the scanner. This is a 14-year-old boy listening to the spirit. He takes the bag, he puts it on the thing. He's like, Lord, this is really stupid. I'm going to be in prison today. And as the bag goes... There walks a guy into the, to the office and he makes a joke and everybody turns around and starts laughing at the other security guard. And the bag goes through the scanner, comes out on the other side, he walks, he picks it up, the guy greets him, says bye-bye, he walks with it, into, puts it in the car, boom, off they go. I'm listening to these stories and I'm thinking, that is insane. How crazy is that? How beautiful is that? But we're walking into a season where we've got to realize that's the kind of thing we need to do. There's a church who have become so aware of what we have instead of what we need to give. What can I get more and not what can I give more? What can I give? My time, my effort, my things. And that's based on the context of love. It's based on the context of love. So turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to end with this. Well, not with Romans 8, but I'll got one or two more to read. So I want to talk on love. And we'll see where the Spirit leads it. Because there's already such an atmosphere right now. Now John 3.16 is a scripture we know very well. We quote it, we speak it, but we've got to have an understanding of what that love is speaking about there. Because it said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word there is love. Now, 
a context of love and of God, sometimes from an earthly, natural point of view. Because we've all had disappointments in love. If you read Ephesians, or sorry, Ephesians, 1 Corinthians 13, it's the love chapter. There is, I think it's by verse 8 or 18, it says that love never fails. Never fails. But how many of you have been in some failed relationships, that's friendships, and uh, even when dating, marriage, people can raise their hand. Many, many people. We've had people that have disappointed us that we've loved, that said, I love you, I love you, I love you, and then, boom, <laughs> they're gone. Have we had experienced that? We've had parents that say they love their children, but they abuse them. Right? So our perspective on love is from the view and opinion of what we've lived in. That's why uh, one of the big things in Sozo, and we'll tell you a little bit more if you don't know what Sozo is, but one of the big things is restoring that view of the Father, work, working with what is our view of the Father and our Father's view of us, because a lot of people struggle with God as Father because they've had no real fathers. So our view of that is based on that. So when we look at what God says when he talks about love, for God so loved the world that he gave, it's like, okay, he loved us to get us saved, but he's not really in love with us going forward, or we question the things. And like I said previously, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways because he doesn't know. Is it, is it love? Is it not love? Where is it at? But the context of the three loves that is spoken about in Scripture is eros, philios, Philos, Philos and Agape, or Agape. And those three ones is that I've known, and all of us know the story, and if you've been to any marriage counseling or you've had anything of we've heard sermons on love, they always bring this up. But I need you to get a different view of this this morning. If you know it, then maybe re, uh, revising it and going through it is good. Because we've got to have an understanding of what love is. And you'll see why. Firstly, Eros, it talks about marriage. All heard that before, or relationship. It's on the, uh, where some of the other Latin words, uh, erotic, or is built on. But the very context of that isn't just what it means to be in a marriage. The word basis of that is what you do to me that I love you back. So it's in the basis of what is given. That's where there's a strong light. If that ceases. There's no more love. So it's all based on how you make me feel. <laughs> the history. <laughs> Bless you, Nathaniel. <laughs> Secondly, is philos. Friendship. Friendship is what you give. Right? We're friends as long as we can play marbles. Or maybe you didn't have marbles back then. If you share your PlayStation, I don't know. You're friends, you're friends if it's based on what you can give me. And once that stops, or there is a lack of it, there's no more friendship. Right? That's from the basis of a world point of view. But then we get to agape. That's based on choice. You see, God is love. God doesn't have love. God is love. But He's not the other two. His choice. So that means none of that is in God. God is not based on feeling. And God is not based on you. I'll say that again. You cannot make God love you more. You, the feeling side of it is what I do. The fe 
There's no feeling involved. And there's no, not based on your friendship to him. It's based on his choice for you. He chose you. You cannot make God love you more or less. He chose it way before the foundation on earth. And then Jesus died before time began. So that it was revealed. So long before everything happened, he already chose your mind. You just have to accept it. But the problem is religion has taught us for so many years that you can disappoint God if you don't listen to him. Does that sound like a parent is about to give you a good spanking? Like, So we have this view because from our point of view, it's, it's on the basis of what we read in the Old Testament or what we've have had. But he didn't do that. His disappointment was dealt with on the cross. He's not disappointed with us anymore. And it's not based on how well you know your Bible. Because salvation is the start, but it's also the finish. Stick with me. Salvation is also the start, but it's also the finish. For he is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. See, my salvation isn't just a nice thing that gets me in. It's the very thing that I am. I am a child of God. Bent. It's settled. That's why it's such good news. We have the gospel. What's the gospel? Good news. Too good to be true. It's amazing that really for, for never, I'm, I don't have to do anything. He still loves me. But the problem is that we find that also because we don't have an understanding of that love, we go to the side where I want to do everything. I don't really want to be with him. I don't have a real view of his love. That's why sin is still active in my life. That's why distraction is still active in my life. Because I don't understand how much he loves me. What the power of that love is. That I'm not double-minded about it. It's settled. It's signed, sealed, delivered. What is signed, sealed, delivered? That nothing can separate me from his love. Let's read this. Romans chapter 8. From verse 31. I know it's hot. I know you might be sleepy. I know you're thinking of that roast back home or the bryflace for later. But for now, think about the food that's in front of you. Because this is going to set you free. This is powerful right now. So just stick with me. I'm not going to be long, okay? I know it's hot. Romans 8 verse 31. Uh, what shall we then say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Do we believe that? Do we believe that in everything? What can be against me? Nothing. See, I already spoke a lot on what I already said with the offering. So a lot of that's already been said into your spirit today. That the goodness of who the Father is. The double-mindedness on what that's based on. So we have this context. If God is for me, who can be against me? Let's continue. Um, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up from, uh, for all of us, who sh um, how shall he not with him also freely give us some things? All things. Freely. See, but what is, what's the basis of the things given? That he is for us. You're going to see where it's going. There's, he's always pulling us back to love. It's always bringing it back to the perspective of what it is, okay? Just stick with me. Uh, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? 
Uh, is it God who, uh, um, it's God who justifies. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What can separate me? Nothing. It's impossible to be separated. Now he goes down, verse um, 37. Yet in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor SARS, nor Trump can separate us with no wall, nor the things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is where? In Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate you from God's love? Nothing. You cannot separate yourself from God's love. Nothing can separate you. But do we live on the power of what that is? See, that is the starting point, but it's also the ending point. We see John write to the church. He says, hey, why have you forsaken your first love? Why are you moving away from the thing? Uh, Paul writes to them and says to them on the phone, on the following, he says that why did you start in the spirit? You are now trying to fulfill it in the flesh. Because so much of what we're trying to do is to get to a position we already have. I remember a guy telling me a story about, I've never driven a Ferrari. I've been privileged once to drive a Porsche. But I've never driven a Ferrari. What I understood is, you don't just start a Ferrari. The problem is, if you don't read the manual, you just want to start it like a faller. No, you can't do that. You need to have an understanding of what it is to drive it at the performance that it can be. So there's a way you switch it on and then the certain oil's running, there's another switch and a switch and a switch. It sounds like a jet, right? The whole procedure to get the thing running at where it's at. The problem is the church have got that kind of capacity who they are in Christ, but we're trying to start it like a faller. We don't understand how much he loves us. We don't understand our position or our identity. So we're living as slaves, though we are sons. We're still in the very perspective of the prodigal son. Some of us are running away and some of us are staying at home. But both of us are acting like slaves. See, the one that ran away said, hey, you know what? My dad gave me everything. Cool, I can just go and do whatever I want. Does that sound like some Christians? We save, but we don't act like it. We run around living in the world like it's crazy. Like it's 1999. I'm out there having a party with 50 cents. And then I wake up amongst, and I wake up in amongst the pigs. And then I say, you know what? I'll go home and go work for my dad. Huh? Like the slaves. You know, I'm a slave in my dad's house. He, he absolutely associates with the slaves. Then you jump to the oldest. What does he do when the party's at home? He goes to the slaves. Hey. What's happening in my house? Like, hey, buddies, what's happening? What's going on? Why, why is he so comfortable with them? Because he's just been hanging around with them. He's hanging around with a slave mentality when he's called to be the owner of the house. Because what does the father say to him? Everything that I own is yours. Everything that I own. When the youngest gets there, what is he clothed in? His position. He gets a ring on the finger, he gets sandals on the feet, and he gets a robe he's covered with. Again, position is fixed, but mentality is changeable. 
That fluctuates. Because I believe something about who I am instead of seeing what I am in Christ. Are you, are you with me? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Jump to Ephesians. We're going to end with this. Ephesians, Ephesians, Ephesians. Ephesians 3. There's a belief that I believe needs to operate within the church in the season we're in more than ever before, or the kind of belief. Let me explain this. If I take a child who has a great relationship with, the, with his dad and put him right at the top of that, bull, of that uh, office space up top there and say to him, jump. The child who believes the father will not calculate the height or the depth or the width of any of that. He will not think about his dad picking up the bag of cement two days ago and couldn't even lift that. He's not going to calculate. He based on the word of his dad and the trust of the father. And he will jump. The problem with us is we're not acting like a child and believe him when the father speaks to us. When the father says to us, trust me, we go, oh, but remember that day. You know, Lord, I, you know that thing? And like, do you see how high this is going? Like, yo, I believe in the song. I believe I can fly. I can sing it. But I don't know if I'll be able to do it. Right? So from the context of that, that's what we're constantly doing with him when he says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Being, and where we're going to go, what is he? God is love. And when I understand that love and I'm living from that love, he says, if God is for us, he's for you, he's chosen you, he's destined you, He's placed you into a position. We're going to go there now. He's something that he did on the cross, settled something about who I am, but I'm not living that way. I'm still playing with monopoly money, trying to think it is real money. I have value in those things. When he says, come on, there's something more I want you to live in. And when you start living in that position, the enemy's hold of you is going to, is going to fall. Okay. So Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. What does he establish there? Matthew chapter 6. Our Father who art in what? Heaven. He's talking about, I am from a different kind of family. Not Italiano. I'm part of the family. I have a Godfather. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll make you a deal you can't refuse. <laughs> okay. I'm part of a different family. And it's higher, higher than the Gates, higher than the Oppenheimers, higher than the Illuminati. You know, I got some people into the Illuminati kind of stuff. The, our family is higher. <laughs> okay. Said so with the family in heaven and earth. Verse 16. And he would grant. Uh, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. So according to what? The riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. So there's something about a strength in my inner man that's coming with my understanding of who I am and what I'm part of. He says here, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, i got to find my roots where? In love. That something will happen. Paul writes 
to the church in Galatia. Stick with me, I'm putting it together. He says, why are you moving away from what brought you into the family? Why are you trying to fulfill something in the flesh that's done, finished, signed, sealed, delivered in the spirit? Why are you trying to do this on your own? There's something in the spirit you need to get. Strengthened with might in the inner man. Root and grounded in love. That what? He says, yeah. And grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. That sounds like a deal I don't want to miss. To be what? Filled with the fullness of God. So he puts two things here. He says, I need to understand the height, the depth, the breadth, the length. And in the knowledge of the love. So there's something about understanding his love. Connected to understanding this cube that he's talking about. Do you, do you read that there? If you don't, go and read it on your own time. Two things. It's not the height, the depth, and the breadth of love that I need to understand. Because can I measure God's love? So why would, it, why would he put it in a cube? It's immeasurable. It's, there's no height, no depth. God is love. And is God small? No. It's immeasurable. It's too big. But there's something about this height, depth, breadth, length thing that he's trying to say to me to get something to me. So if we read the book of Revelation, we see John says the following. He says, and I saw the church descend like a city onto a hill. What did Jesus call you? The city. Set on a? Who's the hill? Christ. Build your house on the? Okay, so if I have my understanding, it says be rooted and grounded into the rock of love. I'm settled. But what is it that descends upon the rock? He says, and I saw that the height, the depth, the breadth, the length was all the same. 12 cubits. I think it's 12 cubits or something. 120 that he describes. So it's a perfect cube. That descends upon the mountain. John 17. Jesus prays. Father, let us be one with them as much as you are part of me. I in them, them in me, you in me, us, my translation. All of us are now one. I am in Christ and Christ in me. What's the scripture? It's no longer I, singular one that lives. But it's now us. See, I want to correct something. There is no triune God anymore. God is not three. God is now four. Yeah, that's tough to swallow. I, know, I felt that. I went like, yeah, I said picky fast, you saw. I'm not saying you God, but you need to understand you are now in God. So he pulled you in, not based on what you did. He said, Peter, come in. Now it's son, 
Holy Spirit, Son, Father. Four in one. Because where are you now? I'm in God. See, the thing is, we don't want that. We're scared of that possession because we're like, oh no, I'm still the slave. And he says, come on in. Let's rule the house. I don't know why I've got that in my mind. No, come into the house. That's who you are. The day you got saved, that's why I said in the beginning, it's the beginning and the end. The day you got saved, you became part of God. But the moment I say God is four parts, no, but the scripture says that. He says, if you understand the height, the breadth, the length, and the descending of the church upon the mountain, how loved you are that you were invited into that. Then you'll be in Him. I live and move and have my being. And the earth is waiting with expectation for the revealing manifestation of the who? The sons of God in the earth. Not based on Eros or Philios. But based on what? Agape. I chose you. But Lord, I didn't do everything right. I don't care. I chose you. Do you accept it? You know, know what, Lord? I, I, I didn't pray for that person. No, I chose you. Do you accept it? It's the same basis of salvation. That in him I live and move and have my being. And he says, what will happen? I will be filled with the fullness of God, of the Godhead. Another scripture talks about filled all and in all. Oh, so as I'm walking in life, I'm not moved by the natural anymore. I'm starting to operate from the spirit now because I understand my position. My conversation has suddenly gone a a little further, a little higher. Because I'm communicating with God. Because I'm part of God. Okay, Maybe you're not ready for it yet. But the world is waiting for you to get ready. So we can either stand in front of the promised land and say, There's giants. We are like grasshoppers in their eyes. Shame. We are, we are not worthy of this moment. Or we can say, let's get ready to take this place, man. Come on, Caleb, Joshua. You know that they waited 40 years. I'm not going to wait 40 years for us to get back to this moment in the spirit. You know, at 80, Caleb said, give me the place. His identity in the word that was given to the promise to them was so fixed that he looked and said, where do the giants stay? You know, last time, I'm going to show you that I was right the first time we got here. Send me to the place that you think looks like giants. I'm going to go take them and I'm going to whip them. I'm going to sort them out. I'm going to show who's God. Because God promised this land to us. We waited for 40 years. Something about a promise about who we are as children of God in the earth, we are not taking because we are in this pendulum of swinging between what is natural instead of what is spiritual. 
living from the spiritual being of what God called us to be. Sons of God in the earth. That we look at sickness and say, go, and it immediately leaves. Not on the basis of one or two people like revivals before us, but based on every single one of you understanding who you are in Christ. You know, like I said it, I don't know if I said it in the first service, second service, I'm going to repeat it again. If you, if somebody's getting married, we have a full grown man and he gets married to a three or four year old child, that's abnormal, right? But why is our concept of our marriage to God on that basis? You get married to an equal, somebody that is of the same mental capacity and understanding and authority of you. So when, you, when there is a marriage that happens, it is of the same kind. So when you look at them, they are, they are one. Especially J.D. and me. <laughs> There's a oneness about a, a mindset, a, a direction, a thing. That is the similarity. Now we want to be married to God, but we want to stay small. He called us into a, a marriage with Him. Where I am of equal with Him. From His side. That I walk alongside Him as His bride. Some people have a problem with being called sons. I don't have a problem calling a bride because I know who I'm married to. I don't have a problem being called the bride. Because I understand the authority of what that means. That if God is for me, that means He has chosen me to be of His equal. He put His Holy Spirit inside of me. And I am one with Him. I am seated in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus, it's no longer I that live, but Christ. So how did Christ operate in the earth? With full authority. Of who? Of the Father. Now he says, you will do the same and greater things. Whew. We talked about the 14-year-old boy walking with a suitcase. You know what stories I heard growing up? It was about people having dreams. One of them were Quibus. And I heard another guy, I'll tell the other one before I tell the one of Quibus. A guy, God said, you're going to India. He said, Lord, I don't have money. And God said, did I talk about money? And he said, okay, Lord. He says, go down to the airport. So he goes down to the airport. He walks up and down at the till, waiting to somebody can pay a ticket for him. God says, and then he gets upset with God. Lord, but you said I must go to India, but nobody's paid my ticket. God said, I told you, go to India. So he goes to the bathroom and he's washed his face and he's upset and, he's, and he says, Lord, but I don't understand. God said, go to India. He said, okay, Lord, I will go to India. And when he opened the door, he was in India. <laughs> Signs, wonders, miracles. He went to bed that night. Next morning, woke up in his own bed. Quibus for an expert. True story. Peter can testify of this, tell you the same thing. Because somebody's like, ah, oh, that's a made-up story. You can go to him and a few other people and tell you the exact same story. Is that one night he has a dream. He's in an airport in Thailand. He walks out, gets on a train. He goes out into the field. Train stops. He gets off. He walks across. There are men there who are working in the field. He preaches to them. Some of them get saved. He goes, he gets back in the train. I think in the train or in the airport, he's pulled out of the dream. Wakes up the next morning. He says, wow, what an incredible dream. A few months later or something, they're at a conference, a missions conference. There are many people from across the world. There's a missionary from Thailand with some men with him. And they walk and they say, we know you. You've been to Thailand. He says, I've never been to Thailand in my life. He said, how is that possible? You preached to us. 
We get, you're the man. You're the man who got off the train. You walked up to us. You preached to us under the tree. And we got saved. I think Kenneth Copeland had a similar one where he woke up the next morning after he preached to people and laid hands on people. His shoes had mud on. And when they tested the mud, it was not from that area. I think it was Kenneth Copeland. It was not from that area. It was from a swamp land, and he doesn't live near a swamp. I don't know where he was walking last night. <laughs> I know my grandfather had a dream, and I believe that one day we'll hear the testimony of that dream. One day he was in the car telling me, he said, Sean, I had a dream last night. I was in Russia. So immediately me knowing all of this, like, whoo, tell me everything. I want to know what happened. He said, I walked in, and there was a girl with a deformed face who came out. She's been from the war. I saw the soldiers. I saw things. She walked up to me. I put my hands on her face, and God healed her instantaneously. I said, and I woke up the next morning. I don't know where that girl is, but I believe with my entire heart that dream came true. That was a truth, that he was there. He was laying hands on them. I believe there are some of those things that we need to step in as children of God. But we're so busy looking at what the devil wants to keep. All the enemy needs to do is get you distracted. It was the lie to keep you distracted when there's more. There's more to what God's going to do through us. There's more in signs and wonders and miracles where we will see in our generation. But we've got to have the heart of that kid saying, hey, I'm 14 years old, but I'm going to China, man. I'm going to take some Bibles there. I'm going to do some things. Whatever you want, God. I'm just going to believe, first of all, you love me. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. You are mine and I am yours. Being rooted and grounded in love. Love isn't just a nice thing. It's the whole thing. It's what the basis is of it. Won't you just stand with me, please? Thanks, Rihanna. Thank you, Peter. As a pastor, I feel I need to tell one or two testimonies just stirring the heart. Pastor's couple, that Peter, uh, Peter Nell and his wife, they used to preach here a lot at one stage. And one night they were sitting at home and they wanted to give up on ministry. And they're sitting in the praying and they just, were they done? done with church they're done with everything they're just tired and a guy by the name of Andre Schroeder from Brazil was preaching at Spirit Word and in a moment Andre standing behind the pulpit saw Peter and his wife in his mind so while he's preaching and he's he has this moment of preaching he feels in his spirit just to speak into their life and as he doesn't mention it to nobody, just in himself, they're sitting there in the room and they hear Andre's voice. They don't know he's preaching there. They hear Andre's voice. They look up, he's standing in the room. And he says to them, God says, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will not forsake you. You need to continue. Instantly, gone, out of the room. I don't know how that works. But I know they're still in ministry. I don't know if it's right or wrong. But I know they're preaching the gospel. Many people are getting saved. They would have given up. But in that moment, said, was it an angel? Was it a spirit? I don't know. 
Why, we have, why should we have everything figured out? Why can't we just enjoy it? I don't know how this whole solar systems work, but I pretty much enjoy living here. We still don't know how the heart starts beating when the cell moves. One of them starts going. God chooses which one, but it does start beating, right? The call is not for certain people or pastors. The call is for everyone. This is not about a select few. It's about us all. Being rooted and grounded in his love. See, here's the thing. I'll be honest with you. There's sometimes that I am double-minded. Sometimes that I go and like, oh God, this was a tough week. I, I don't know, like, phew. But the moment I do that, the moment I think I'm failing at it, I hear this voice. It's called the Holy Spirit. And he speaks to you. And he says, uh-uh. No, 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 sure. You did not disappoint. No, you are not wrong. No, and he speaks. So what I'm saying to you today is that you might in the week to come, you might have those moments where your faith isn't that strong, where this word isn't stirred up, where the, the, the love view of being rooted and grounded and being double-minded is not there. But don't keep your eyes there. Just put it straight back on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Just draw it right back to him. And what we're going to start to see we're going to start to see that the church of God is pushing through. We're going to see the glory of God fill the earth. We're going to see it fill our nation. We're going to see salvations like we've never seen before. We're going to see miracles like we've never seen before. We're going to see people walking up to you and going, can I have what you have in? Because there's more peace on you. There's more love coming out of you than what I've ever experienced before. Because they're going to come in contact with God. Hmm. Can you rather we just thank you? Just become aware of His presence right now. Jesus. Father, I pray today that, Holy Spirit, you will stir this in everyone's heart. I pray really that people will experience you, your love like never before. Just one more minute, just one more minute. I know, I know it's long, but I feel in the spirit 
It's something that God wants to drop in people's heart because God wants to get to everyone in every place and everywhere we go. Holy Spirit, have your way. Stir in our hearts, stir in our minds. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information about Kingdom Light Church and upcoming local and international events, please follow our Facebook page, Instagram account, or visit our website at www.kingdomlightchurch.co.za.